Thank you for listening to the South Metro Ministries podcast. We hope it's been a blessing to you wherever you are. For more information about South Metro Ministries, please visit smmcog.com. I want to take you to a very familiar story uh, in the Bible. The story comes out of Daniel chapter 3, and I'll, I'll, I don't know if there's rules to preaching, but if there are, it's to keep in mind the attention deficit disorder of the congregation or the people in attendance. And so, you know, a lot of times preachers will shy away from lengthy passages of Scripture because people tend to doze off, you know, when we dig into the Word. You know, you know that to be true. You, when you pick up your Bible, you're like, Lord, gee, I'm tired, Jesus, right? But I want to break that rule and read to you the story in its entirety because I believe that it's important to understand in detail the context of the story and how it unfolds so that I can preach to you uh, what the Lord has given me. So if you have your Bible, go to the book of Daniel, chapter 3, and we're going to begin in verse number 1. I know it's custom for us to stand for the reading of the Word of the Lord, but because it's a little longer in uh, Scripture references, you can remain seated. Just follow along with me. Verse number 1. King Nebuchadnezzar built a gold statue, 90 feet high and 90 feet thick. He set it up on the Dura Plain in the province of Babylon, and he then ordered all of the important leaders in the province, everybody who was anybody, to the dedication ceremony of this particular statue. And they all came for the dedication, all the important people, and they took their places before the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had erected. The Bible goes on to say, a herald then proclaimed in a loud voice, attention, everyone, every race, color, and creed. When you hear the band strike up all the trumpets and the trombones, the tubas, the baritones, the drums, the cymbals, fall to your knees and worship the gold statue that Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Listen to what they say here. Anyone who does not kneel and worship shall be thrown immediately into a roaring furnace. The band started to play, a huge band, equipped with all the musical instruments of Babylon. And everyone who was anyone of every race, color, and creed, they fell to their knees and they worshipped the gold statue that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Just then... Some Babylonian fortune tellers, some of the advisors to Nebuchadnezzar, they stepped up and they accused the Jews. And they said to the king, long live the king. You gave strict orders, O king, that when the band started to play, everyone had to fall to their knees and worship the gold statue. And whoever did not go to their knees and worship it must be pitched into a roaring furnace. Well, there are some Jews here, king, Shadrach, Meshach. And Abednego, and you place them in high positions in the province of Babylon. And these men, they are ignoring you, O king. They don't respect your God, and they don't worship the gold statue that you've set up. Watch what happens. Furious, King Nebuchadnezzar ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought in. And when these men were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar asked, Is it true, Shadrach? Meshach and Abednego, that you don't respect my gods and that you refuse to worship the gold statue that I've set up, I'm giving you a second chance. 
But from now on, when the band starts to play, you must fall to your knees and worship the statue that I've made. Because if you don't worship it, you will be thrown into a roaring furnace. No questions asked, period. Who is the God? I don't don't know about you, but this frustrates me at Nebuchadnezzar. Who does he think he is? Who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Shadrach. Oh, man. I I love the audacity that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have. I mean, these guys, they were not playing games. They were unashamed of the God that they served. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, Your threat means nothing to us. Now, if you, if you picture it in your mind, it's almost a little comical. Like, they're standing there, and all of the other Jews are probably thinking, Y'all are idiots. They're going to kill you. And these three young Fellas, look at the king, knowing what's at stake, and they laugh at him. (laughs) What you say means nothing, Nebuchadnezzar. Watch what they go on to say here. The God that we serve can rescue us from this roaring furnace and anything else you might try and cook up, O king. Watch the faith. But even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't show up in the fire, it's not going to make a bit of difference. We still won't worship your silly gods. I almost said stupid, but you already said that today and we're going to get in trouble. Still wouldn't serve or worship your gods. I still won't worship this gold statue that you've set up. Now watch what King Nebuchadnezzar does. Nebuchadnezzar, his face purple in anger. Do you see what he turns into Barney? I'm just saying. His face purple with anger. Cut off Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he ordered that the furnace be fired up seven times hotter than usual. And he ordered some of the strongest men in the military camp to bind up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace. So they were bound hand and foot, fully dressed from head to toe were pitched into the fire because the king was in such a hurry. The furnace was so hot. The flames from the furnace actually killed the men that carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to it. While the fire raged around Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're almost there. Hang in there with me. Suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. What? Wait a minute. Did we not throw three men into this fire? Well, of course we did, King. We, we bound them. We, we got the strongest men from the military. You know, they bound them. We saw them throw them into the fire. But look, he said, I see a fourth man. Now, you've you got to catch this. And the fourth man looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar went to the door of the roaring furnace and he called in, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the high God, Come out here. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked out of the fire. 
all the important people, the government leaders, the king's counselors, they gathered around to examine them. They were probably touching them from head to toe and discovered that the fire hadn't so much even touched these three men. Not a hair was singed, not a scorch mark on their clothes, not even the smell of smoke was upon them. And Nebuchadnezzar said this, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They ignored the king's orders and they laid their bodies on the line rather than serve or worship any god but their own. Somebody say amen. Therefore, I issue this decree. Anyone, anywhere of any race, color, or creed who says anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be ripped to pieces, limb from limb, and their houses torn down. For there has never been a God who can pull off a rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In the province of Babylon. Praise the Lord. Give them praise. I want to talk to you with this thought in mind. Igniting a fiery faith. In order for us to get to where I feel like the Lord would take us this morning, I want to set up for you a little historical background. To know a little bit more in detail how this story really plays out. So around 605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar attacks, defeats, and conquers the kingdom of Judah. After this attack on the kingdom of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar orders that the best and the brightest, the most elite from within the kingdom of Judah be deported or shipped back to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar's plan to do with these captives or these uh, refugees, if you will, was to train them for around three years. He wanted them to learn the literature of Babylon. He wanted them to learn the language of Babylon. He wanted to train them and equip them, and then at the end of this three-year training, eventually place them in high positions in the Babylonian royal court. And so we know that for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were among this group of the best and the brightest. And so for three years, this training process was going on. But really, it was more than just a training session. It was an opportunity for Nebuchadnezzar to brainwash The captives. He wanted these men to be like the Babylonians. To think like them. And talk like them. And live like them. And even dress like them. And so he attempted to brainwash these captives. And you see that even in Daniel 1, just a couple chapters earlier, that uh, Nebuchadnezzar goes so far as to even change the names of these three boys. The original names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And I think it's really interesting that their names uh, prior to being taken captive, Hananiah meant God who is gracious. Isn't that good? Mishael meant who is like our God. 
and Azariah meant God has helped us. And so Nebuchadnezzar takes these boys and he changes their name and he changes their personality and he changes the way they behave and he's indoctrinated in their minds and this heart the culture of the Babylons and although he could change their name and he could change you know how they looked on the outside he could not change the spiritual condition of the hearts of these boys and it infuriated the king And so what does he do? Well, he creates for himself and all of the people in Babylon this golden image, this statue. Now, history tells us that this statue may have been an actual image of himself. And if it wasn't an image of himself, then surely it was an image of the Babylonian god of wisdom known as Nabu. So he creates this image, 90 feet high and 90 feet in width. And the Bible tells us this, that he places this statue in the Dura, in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. That right now in uh, contemporary times is in Karbala, Iraq. So he places this statue right in the middle of the downtown square. And watch what the Bible says in Daniel chapter 3. And the herald then proclaimed in a loud voice, Attention everyone, every race, color, and creed. Listen, when you hear the band strike up all the trumpets, all the trombones, when you hear the tubas and the baritones and The drums and the cymbals, I feel the presence of God. Fall to your knees and worship this golden image that has been erected. If you don't worship this image, immediately you'll be thrown into this roaring furnace. So anytime this music sounded, regardless of what the people were doing, It was their obligation. It was the command and the creed of the king to stop. Stop playing with the kids. Stop grocery shopping in the market. Stop eating your dinner if that's what you were doing. And fall on your knees and begin to worship Nebuchadnezzar and this image that he had erected. Watch what happens though here in verse number 14. These fortune tellers, they come to Nebuchadnezzar and they say, Didn't you... Tell us that we must worship this image. Nebuchadnezzar said, of course I did. Then there's these three boys. They're not listening to you, king. They're ignoring everything that you say. And so he called for these boys to come to him. And these three boys stand in front of the king. And in verse number 14, he says this. Is it true? Are these rumors that I'm hearing, that you're ignoring my orders, are they true? That you don't worship my God Or this golden image that I've set up. And let me just remind you, because it's worth repetition, what these boys say in verse 16. They looked at the king, and they say to the king, Your threat means nothing. Let me put it in some uh, redneck terms for y'all. What you say, bro, means squat. If you throw us in the fire, the God we serve can rescue us from your roaring furnace. 
and anything else that you might try and cook up, O king. But even if he does not, it won't make a bit of difference. And in a rage, Nebuchadnezzar orders that this fire be heated up seven times in temperature. And he grabs these elite military men to have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego bound hand and foot and orders them to throw them in this furnace. I love what happens here. Nebuchadnezzar, as he's watching what he's anticipating to be a cremation, his eyes are opened at the discovery that there's a fourth man in the fire. And he calls out for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he says, who is this God that can pull off a rescue like this? God not only shows up in the fire and saves Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from a cremation, but then he promotes them to the highest position in the land. When I read the story and when we retell the story, there are three very simple distinctives that I see that we must obtain in our lives in order for us to become ignited with a fiery faith. There are three things that not only these boys possess, but that you and I must possess as well in order for us to have a fiery Faith, a faith in God that says, no matter what happens, I won't turn my back on you. No matter what comes my way, I won't bow down. I won't give up. I won't call it quits. I won't throw in the proverbial towel. I'm not the only one, I believe, in this sanctuary this morning that I get frustrated when I see God do a work on the lives of his people only for them to have little faith and throw in the towel anytime the going gets tough. I am reminded that when it gets tough... That's when the Holy Spirit really starts to move in our lives. So what are these three distinctives? Well, number one, you've got to stand out. You must stand out. Now, I know that I'm talking to a whole lot of grown, mature Christians in this room this morning. And so a message like this surely would only be applicable to a bunch of immature middle school teenagers. But that's not the reality. Pastor Darrell, I don't know why, but anymore it is hard to determine who is saved and who is not. Who is a follower of Jesus and who is a follower of the world? Everybody likes to have the label as Christian. But when you stand out, that means that you are different. That you're set apart. That you're sanctified. That you don't look like everybody else. That you don't talk like everybody else. That you don't behave like everybody else. That you don't dress like everybody else. That something on the inside of you is different. And when they see you, they know that Christ must live inside of you. I'm telling you, we live in a culture where we need people to stand out. But what we have is people who are so concerned with blending in that they decide to bow down. 
We've got enough followers in this culture. We've got enough followers in this country. What we need are leaders who are unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who aren't afraid to call sin as sin. Somebody help me out. Who aren't afraid to say, you know what, for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Say what you want. Talk about us all you want. But the only opinion that matters is the opinion of that king. There's, I'm telling you, there's an epidemic And this epidemic is sweeping across this, well, we were a Christian nation. We've got this epidemic. The epidemic is known as the disease to please. We've got too many Christians. I've got to be on good behavior. My father-in-law's not here. My wife's not here. This could go south really fast. We've got too many Christians that care too much about what everyone else thinks about them. We've got too many Christians that are so concerned with what people might say about you if you really ignite a fiery faith. I wish that somebody at South Metro Ministries this morning, you wouldn't give a flying and flip what people thought about you. That you made the decision that I don't care what you say, I don't care what you think, I know what God has called me to do, and I'm going to live according to His Word. So... Let me, let me let you in on a little secret about life. Whether you're 5, 15, 50, or 104, there will always be haters. You hear me preach to you this morning. There will always be haters. And you know the thing I've learned about haters? Haters gonna hate. That's what they do. We've got all of these Christians that are so concerned with trying to please everybody and make everybody happy that what you tend to do is, well, okay, I'll just bow down then. No, 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 no. We are living in the last days. Christ is ready quickly to come back in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And he's not looking for a bunch of cowardly Christians that are blending in with the rest of this world. He's looking for a church. He's looking for a people. He's looking for a remnant that's saying, I will stand out regardless of what everybody else says. We need to stand out. It's good preaching, but not because I'm doing it, but because in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, the Word of God teaches us that we should look different, that we should talk different and dress different and think different and walk different and act differently. And we should live different than the rest of the world around us that is lost. If you've got Jesus in your heart, you are different than everybody else. God's calling us to stand out. He wants us to be separated. As a matter of fact, He wants us to be so separated and so different and to stand out so much that we draw all of the attention right back to Him. How different does he want you to be? Well, in Titus chapter 2, verse number 4, he says that you will become a peculiar people. Let me give you some synonyms or an elementary definition of the word peculiar. Abnormal. 
weird, strange, unusual. I have just defined some of y'all's family tree, people. Come on. As Christians, we are going to be a little bit weird. We're going to be a little bit strange. Because here's why. Because what we do when we lift up the name of Jesus, when everything else seems to be falling apart, the world does not call that normal. But I've come to tell you that their definition of normal is not working. It's not working anymore. And God says, I've called you out. You're supposed to look different. You're supposed to act a little strange. People are supposed to question. How are you able to withstand all that the enemy is throwing at you? Well, because I've got a fiery faith. And in my circumstance, I believe that the God that I serve, he can show right up. But even if he doesn't, it won't make a bit of difference. What areas do you need to stand out in? The junk you watch on TV would be a good starting point again i know you're so mature in your walk with the lord and you only watch disney movies and finding nemo we watch i gotta be careful we watch junk that says gd this gd that blankety blank this blankety blank that We sit in the living room and watch this nonsense with our children on the couch in the lazy boy recliner. And then we wonder why they act like they act. We wonder why they're out of control. We wonder why God doesn't hear us when we pray. It's because in your life, you have become numb. You've become numb. N-U-M-B. What does it stand for? You're not using my Bible. You become numb to the things of this world. You become numb to what this uh, golden image has been erected. Because we don't have some physical image that's been set up. But Hollywood sure has created some images for us to bow down to. And so we'll listen to the television show that doesn't edit. God, but I'm telling you, if He's called you to stand out, turn the TV off. What about the music that you listen to? I know, again, you're so mature, you probably only listen to the Gaither Gospel Hour. Well, some glad morning when this life is o'er. No. What about the music that you listen to? Because I was taught garbage in, garbage out. Now, my students, they have this excuse. Well, I like the beat. To which I reply, then buy the soundtrack. I was on vacation with uh, Pastor and Sister Valerie, Kimberly, Lakeland, myself, Jennifer and Edward. Edward and Jennifer, pastor's oldest daughter and second favorite son-in-law. And it was during, I believe, June, first week or so in June of 2012. And it was a perfect time for vacation because Edward and I are huge Miami Heat basketball fans. Now, I've been a Miami Heat fan long before LeBron James came on the scene. Back in the day with Dan Marley and Tim Hardaway, etc., 
But Edward is a fan because of LeBron. He likes LeBron more than he likes the Heat. But it was during the NBA Finals when the Heat played uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. And so, I mean, it was perfect for us because we got to sit there and watch the game while the girls did whatever, you know, shop. We didn't even care how much money they spent. The game was so good. And I remember during one commercial break, I said to Edward, I'm thirsty, man. I need something to drink. So I got up and I went to the kitchen. I said, do you want something? He said, absolutely. So I went into the cabinet. I pulled down two plastic cups. I think I gave him lemonade and me water. And I went back and I handed him his cup and he looked at it. And he held it up in the air. It was a red Solo cup. And he said this, red Solo cup, I lift you up. Let's have a party. Proceed to party. Y'all look really spiritual right now. How many of you know what song I'm talking about? The country music. Some of you are like, oh, Lord, okay. Yeah. And I thought in that moment, there ain't no party like a Jesus party, because a Jesus party, it don't stop. And I'm telling you that even though the song may be innocent in its meaning, this kind of stuff gets into our spirit. It gets into our heart, and we take that stuff in, and out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. Speaks. What about the way that we dress? Let me, let me tell you, ladies, because, again, I know how you know, professional you are, but I, I stand in amazement, uh, uh, more so as to what you let your daughters wear than anything else. I honestly, there's a part of me that I'd love to have a little girl, but I don't know if I could tell. I will kill somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll call Eddie. You know, I'll be like, Eddie, put a cap in this dude. You know what I mean? Kill shot, baby. Take him out. Kimberly's always like, don't, you're going to be so hard on our little girl. Yeah, I'm going to be hard. You better believe I'm going to be hard. She's going to have to wear like a full raincoat till she's like 35. Yeah, I'm going to be hard. Some of these girls, they walk, can I, can I be real? They walk around with these little cheerleading shorts on. They're thinking they Beyonce. They got the word juicy and cheerleader written across the bottom. And then they come to you, and they're like, I don't know why I can't find a man that loves me. Well, let me tell you why. They keep attracting the wrong kind of guys because they keep fishing with the wrong kind of bait. And I wonder, what kind of mama would let their daughters dress like that? And then all of a sudden, here she comes. Jezebel done walked right up into the church. Listen to me. Respect your bodies as a temple of the Holy Spirit. I know this applies more to the younger men than the older men, but let me give you young guys, all right? Let me give you young guys some of the best advice I know how to give you. You ready? Buy yourself a belt. Go on ahead and pull your pants up. I appreciate your glow-in-the-dark boxers, but not that much. And it's funny how so I want to preach about the kids because I don't want you mad at me. Like, oh, no, he didn't. But yes, I did. So every time I talk about the kids, I'm talking about some of you. Just know this, and then I'm moving on. But these kids, my parents don't trust me. They don't let me do anything. They don't trust me, Pastor JC. And I tell them, just by looking at you, 
I wouldn't trust you either. Now, Kimberly was with me, but this one little girl, she was like, my parents don't trust me. And I said, it's because you look like you should be working the streets of downtown Atlanta, honey. Like, I, don't, I wouldn't trust you. I get a young guy, man, my parents, they don't trust me. It's because you look like you're selling drugs. I wouldn't trust you either. What I'm saying to you is that when we become a Christian, we look different, not just on the inside, but on the outside as well. This is fiery faith. While I'm on it, while I'm on it, okay, and then I got two points and I'm done. Here's the deal. As husbands, you should stand out. You should look different as a Christian father than a non-Christian father. Well, I am so busy providing for my family. Then you're a sinner. Because as much as you need to provide for your family, you need to provide for them spiritually far more than you do materialistically. I know you're busy. And I know the office is chaotic. And I know that you have deadlines to meet. But you only have one chance to raise your children. You've only got one shot to love on your family. You understand me? And I told my wife, and although my son may not have understood it when I said it, but don't you ever buy me a t-shirt. Don't you ever buy me a hat. Don't you ever buy me a coffee mug that says world's greatest dad until I earn that title because for me i want to do everything that i if you know what the holy spirit told me this morning if you are a dad in this room and you've not told your family or your children that you love them you better tell them today tell them well see when i was growing up my daddy never said that he loved me that's between him and god not you you should learn from his mistake and you should love on your family even more i don't care if your son is 15 or your daughter is 17 you want to sit down on the couch or the chair and say baby boy come up here and sit in my lap for a minute sweetheart you'll always be daddy's princess you look them in the eye you take your spouse by her hand and you say honey i know i haven't been perfect i know i've made a lot of mistakes, but I'm ready to stand out. You have an opportunity to show your friends how a real man of God raises his family. Raise them in the way of the Lord. Stand out in every area of your life. Stand out and be different. What's the second thing I see in the lives of these three boys? They weren't afraid to speak up. Not only were they willing to stand out, but they weren't afraid to speak up. Now, you know this kind of preaching because this is who our pastor is. Yet we live in a very politically correct America. We have to be so very careful what you say and what you don't say. Yet have you realized that we have all of these political figures? We have all of these athletes and all of these movie stars that are voicing their opinion on topics ranging from A to Z. And they could care less what the church has to say about their opinion. But yet the Christians, the church, the people of God, have remained silent far too long. We've allowed the world to step right into our country and remove everything that this wonderful land was birthed upon because we're so what afraid 
What are you afraid of? The fire? Because the God that you serve can show right up in the fire. It's time that we speak up. And we take back this nation. And we come back to truly being one nation under God. Yeah, but the Bible says to obey the laws of the land. I know it does. Romans 13. So here's a question. When then is it okay to disobey the government? Say it again, Tina. When it goes against this book. And here's the thing about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were willing to comply with everything that the king had ordered for them to do. Change our zip code. Change our name. Change our language. Change our literature. Change the way that, you know, you think that we should think. But as soon as Nebuchadnezzar crossed some biblical and doctrinal guidelines, that's when these boys said, no more. Enough is enough. And right now, there are some topics that you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, should be speaking up on. Things like abortion. It is murder. I know that each situation is unique, but come on. Come on. There are wonderful families out there. They can't have kids. They would love to adopt a baby. You speak up for what you know is right. There is no pro-life and pro-choice. It's pro-life, it's pro-death, period. Okay? Speak up. Homosexuality. I know that it's a sin. And I know that God doesn't, you know, necessarily uh, hate the sinner. He just hates the sin. But at the same time, that sinner will stand before a God of judgment on his day of, of judgment. And at that moment, it won't matter. I've got one, oppor- here, one opportunity to hear the truth. And the truth is living inside of you. Share the truth. The Bible calls that lifestyle detestable. An abomination. Speak up on it. What about this? Racism. I believe that in many contexts, racism is as bad today as it was 40 years ago. Some of you, and when we live in the South, it is ridiculous here, man. Honestly, I got on the elevator some weeks ago. I was standing on the elevator. There was a precious white lady right beside me. Precious, sweet, elderly woman. The elevator doors opened and in walked a, a black male. He just walked on the elevator. And I could feel the fear of this woman beside me. And she scooted over towards the wall as if he was going to harm her. And in my heart, I thought, if you're racist, if there's racism flowing through your veins. Now, let me, let me, before I say what I'm going to say, let me tell you this. It's both ways. We, we saw racism at an all-time high during this election. Whites against blacks, blacks against whites, reds against yellows, yellows, you know what I'm saying? If you're racist, you will not see the kingdom of God, period. It will not happen. It won't happen. Red, yellow, black, white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus, you think that you're special because your skin pigmentation is different than... Get real! Get real. He created us how he wanted us to be. He formed us while we were in our mama's tummy. And if there's racism in your school, if there's racism in your workplace, through the power of God's word, you ought to speak up. 
you ought to say something and tell them that it's wrong. Premarital sex. I'll say this and then I'll close. I was taught there ain't no bing bing without the ring ring. Hello. Won't you endorse that lifestyle of your son or daughter? Come on. Raise your guidelines. Raise your standards. If you're single and searching, raise your guidelines. Raise your standards. Protect yourself. View yourself as a temple of the Holy Spirit. The world says that premarital sex and cohabitation is okay. That is not in this book whatsoever. It's a sin. Not only did they stand out, not only did they speak up, but here's the third thing that we get to do. Walk free. Walk in freedom, knowing that when you make this decision to ignite a fiery faith, to speak out or to stand out and to speak up, that no matter what flames try to consume you, there will be a fourth man in the fire. Verse 25, but look, the king said, I see four men walking around freely. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the Spirit of the Lord dwells in truth. Stand out in truth. Speak up in truth and walk in the freedom of this truth. Ignite a fiery faith on the inside of you and don't give in and do not give up. Stand to your feet with me this morning. If you're in this house and you'd say, Pastor JC, I need a little bit more boldness in my life. I need a little bit more fire in my belly. I know that there's people I've got to share the gospel with, but I'm afraid to do it. There's people I need to tell about the love of Jesus to, but I'm nervous to do it. But I want to allow the Holy Spirit to ignite a fiery faith on the inside of me so that I can become unashamed of the gospel. Would you lift up your hands? Anybody in here? Okay, thank you so much. Take the hand of the person right next to you, if you will. You don't know who you're standing to. Introduce yourself and get a name. And I want you to pray that God would fill them with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and with fire. With fire. To ignite a fiery faith on the inside so that they can share the gospel and the good news of Jesus. Come on, take your prayers up a notch in volume. Pray out loud for them that God would fill them with the boldness that they need. Now, if you will, drop those hands and lift your hands to the heavens and just begin to ask God to fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome all of the traps of the enemy so that your eyes may not get off track or off focus, but that you might be able to follow him all the days of your life so that you could be a testimony to the grace and mercy of Jesus so that you could show the world that you're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the words of your testimony. And repeat after me, Father God, cleanse me of me and fill me with more of you. I want to be less like me 
and more like you. Give me the boldness. Give me the strength. Not just to live like Jesus. Not just to serve like Jesus. But to be like Jesus. And I pray that this week you would give me an opportunity to share the gospel, which is the good news, with someone who is lost and unsaved. Give me the words to say and the boldness to speak those words. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit smmcog.com.